It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff, and it's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is Wednesday, which means it's time for Midweek with Manish. Manish Mehta covering the Jets for the New York Daily News. Hey, Manish, what's going on? How you doing, Scott? I'm doing well because I'm sitting here in possession of your top 20 countdown. Now, you're only doing five per week. You're unveiling five per week over the course of four weeks. So we're going to do the same thing here on the show. And we'll start with number 20. I make no bones about the fact that I am 100% positive that this is a future Hall of Famer. So Jets fans are probably thinking to themselves, how could you rate Jamal Adams at number 20? But it's not Jamal Adams. It is... Braden Mann, the rookie punter from Texas A&M. This is an interesting choice, Manish, because I guess you're assuming the Jets are going to be punting a lot this upcoming season, which, based on what we saw from Adam Gase's offense, is not a terribly unfair assumption. I think Mann's going to be really good, but number 20? Ah, seems like a bit well, of a reach for a punter. <laughs> well, look, punters are people too. I, I should probably preface it by saying that. Uh, now, I've been doing this countdown in the summertime for you know i don't know five years or so whatever it's been and this whole list is about who is going to make the most impact in the upcoming season it's not really about who's got the most accomplished resume uh you know who's the most experienced so there is a projection involved and you know as you said uh, i'm anticipating the jets punting a lot well lachlan edwards led the nfl in punts last year so uh you know, hopefully for the Jets' sake, Braden Mann doesn't lead the league in punt attempts because that means your offense is not doing <laughs> doing what you want it to do. But uh, look, a, a good punter can be a valuable weapon for for you. You can flip the field, and again, it's not a sexy position. And uh, you know, I know they get lampooned uh, throughout history, but if you're just talking about who's going to make an impact every game, as silly as that might sound. Braden Mann is going to have an impact every single game, uh, assuming that he actually punts, which you would assume that he would in every single game. And if you just look at what he accomplished in college, and Michael Nanya, who I know is on with you a lot, uh, Scott, uh, a terrific young uh, you know, numbers guy, analytics guy for, for his website, Jets X Factor, uh, he had this really eye-opening stat when it came to Mann, at least it was for me. Man averaged 48.9 yards per punt in his career. That is the best average for a punter in college since 2000. So the best average, uh, career average for a college punter in 20 years. So this is not uh, your garden variety good college kicker. This is a dominant player at the position. And I don't think 
there's any real reason, barring injury, to think that man isn't going to be exceptional uh, in 2020. If he's healthy, what would change? I, I, I can't see any reason to think that he won't kind of pick up where he left off. The thing that he actually has to improve upon is his hang time, and that's something that punters can do, uh, I don't want to say easily, but you know, I don't think it's a big ask for him to improve his hang time. You know, one of your biggest criticism of a punter is that his leg is so strong that he outkicks the coverage. I mean, that to me is a really good problem to have. So, uh, you know, you look at the, the draft, you don't really know how players are going to do, uh, you know, until you have a two- or three-year sample size. But, you know, right off the jump, uh, how many six-round picks? This guy was the 191st overall pick in the draft. How many six-rounders are going to, you know, have a chance to make an impact the way that man is going to have a chance as a rookie for the Jets. You know, not many. And I just think that, you know, it's not a glamorous position, but I think it's a very important position for the Jets. And that's why I thought it would have been smart to draft him. And that's why I thought it was extremely smart when they did draft him. Manish, I thought that number 20 might be a little too high for Braden Mann, but I think number 19 is way too low for the guy that you have pegged there. And that's Foley Fadakasi, who I think had a breakout season last year, one of the better run stuffers in the league, very dominant in that regard. I know he didn't show a ton in terms of rushing the passer, but boy, he looked like a beast amongst men a lot of times. And I think that this year he's going to come into his own even more. So I would have had him significantly higher on the list than number 19. Yeah, well, he look, he showed some encouraging signs. You know, whether you have him, I don't know if you'd have him in the top 15. Uh, I think we can both agree that he really flashed last year. And in essence, last year was his rookie season. Technically, it was the second year, but he had a, a de facto redshirt year. He only played three snaps as a rookie in 2018. And there was a lot of questions about, would this guy even stick around uh, you know, past training camp? Or you know, would this be a one-and-done situation with the new coaching staff? And, and he really flashed, and he really did a lot of good things. You know, statistically, when you look at you know, 27 so total tackles, that doesn't necessarily jump off the page. Uh, the seven tackles for loss was pretty solid in 14 games. But uh, if you watched every game, you know that you know, he made an impression. He certainly made an impression on the staff. He played a little more than a third of the snaps. Uh, it's an extremely deep defensive line rotation. Clearly the best part of this team was the defensive line. Uh, everybody will tell you that. Who follows the team? So you know, getting about 35 36% of the snaps last year was a good sign. For, for Foley, we'll see if that increases. I think some of that is predicated on what happens uh, from a production standpoint for uh, for Steve McClendon as well. But clearly, uh, he's a player who's on the rise. Uh, you know, it, it, it was fascinating, frankly, to see the impact that he made last year, given that he really was a rookie, you know, outside of the year of experience in practice in 2018. So you know, he's a grinder. Uh, you know, not really. That effective, uh, you know, in pass rush, but in terms of stuff in the run, uh, being disruptive really in, in the trenches, you know, in the interior, uh, he showed a lot of promising signs. And that's why I really do think that he, he's got a chance to make a significant jump. And, you know, when it's all said and done a year from now, uh, you might be right. You know, putting him 19th might be too low. You had him at 19th. I thought that was a little bit too low. You had Braden Mann at number 20. I thought that was a little too high. And number 18, this is a real wild card. This is where you have Jets rookie wide receiver Denzel Mims out of Baylor. 
I have talked a lot about how I think Denzel Mims has the potential to be an outstanding receiver in the NFL. The question is, how much of an impact is he going to make year number one? A lot of different opinions on that one. You sort of seem to take the middle ground here. You didn't go all out and put him in the top 10 and say that he's going to have an electric rookie season, that he's going to be like Marquise Brown in Baltimore last year or somebody like that, Terry McLaurin in Washington, but... You do have him at 18, so that means that you think he's going to make a significant impact of some sort. Talk to me a little bit about what went into making him number 18 here. Well, I probably would have put him in the 14 or 15 range in a normal offseason. But because of the pandemic restrictions, it really hampers not only him, but, but all rookies. Because you don't get a chance to be on the field. You don't get a chance to really learn from your coaches on the field. You don't get a chance to run routes for Sam Darnold, you know, outside of the few days that they worked together in Florida, uh, it's, it's all virtual learning, which is important. I mean, that's a nice foundation to have. Uh, you know, I don't want to diminish the value in those types of meetings, but the reality is that a guy like Mims would have been served so well to learn on the field this offseason, and he didn't get a chance to do that. So I think that's what pushed him down a, a little bit for me. Uh, all of that being said, He's got a lot of good skills that you can utilize right now. Now, it's going to take him time to develop a chemistry with Darnold. It's going to get, take him time to, to get a better understanding of, of uh, NFL-caliber cornerbacks and, and, you know, and improving and growing his route tree. All of that you know, will, will come in time, but that doesn't mean that he can't be useful and can't contribute as a rookie because I absolutely think that he can. He's good in tight spaces. He can make contested catches. He can be good in the red zone for you. Those are all things that Adam Gase can utilize right now uh, when the season begins, I should say. So, uh, you know, you said, you know, I took a middle ground approach. That's that's probably a fair characterization because I think it'd frankly be reckless to, to think that he could be a top 10 guy given that he's missed all of this opportunity in the spring that is so valuable to rookies, especially rookie wide receivers because, Scott, as you know, these off-season workouts, the OTAs, they're really passing camps, right? They're passing drills. So that, so it's a great opportunity for quarterbacks and wide receivers, uh, maybe to a, less, a lesser degree, cornerbacks, to, to get some valuable time, practice time. It doesn't necessarily help the guys in the trenches, offensive linemen, defensive linemen as much, but uh, it certainly has a lot of value for receivers, uh, tight ends, running backs who can catch passes, and so Mims missing that time, to me, is fairly significant. Uh, you know, and it really prevented me from putting him in the top 15. But uh, you know, he's got such a such a high ceiling. Uh, I don't know how quickly we'll see him reach that ceiling, but I know that you know, he's a, he's a quality player with uh, tremendous speed, and everybody knows about his three, the four three eight speed that he has. Uh, what I also thought was interesting. Uh, you know, the average fan probably doesn't care, but his three cone drill was the best among wide receivers at the combine. Uh, that to me is a, a valuable, uh, you know, a, a valuable thing that comes out of the combine. Not many things are you know super valuable, but the three cone drill to me is interesting for a wide receiver. But uh, you know, he's a guy you can move around the formation. I don't think he's, you know, he's going to be stationary. You know, the X receiver is going to be Brashard Perryman. Obviously, guys in the slot will be. Chris Herndon and, and Jameson Crowder, but uh, Mims is a guy you can move around in the formation. Uh, you know he has 
lined up in the slot as well uh, in college. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that when you, you know, look at his size, he's 6'3", 207, look at his ability to make catches in tight spaces, uh, you know, those are all valuable traits. You know, people who are detractors will point to the, the drops that he had as a junior. Uh, he'd been playing with a broken hand, so I'm going to give him a pass on that. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to assume that that's an indicator of what's to come because, you know, when healthy, uh, he can make some good plays. He's got excellent body control, good tracking ability. He can be a good player in this league. You know, you know what he ultimately becomes is to be determined, but I certainly believe he can be a good player, and I certainly believe that there are enough elements in his game that can help Sam Darnold right away. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. I'm very high on Denzel Mims, as I said, but I think if he becomes a super impactful player right away, it'll be a really pleasant surprise. A lot of people thinking that maybe 2020 he gets hot at the end as he starts to learn things because, as you said, Manish, this is a weird year, a weird offseason, and then 2021 could be the year that he really breaks out. Would be a pleasant surprise, though, if he plays really, really well in 2020. In a different way, then Kyle Phillips was a pleasant surprise in 2019 because he was signed as an undrafted free agent, 
wasn't even expected to make the team, but he played so well in training camp in the preseason that he ended up sticking. Now, we know, unfortunately, it didn't work out for Ja'Kai Polite, who was picked in the third round. And I'm not saying that Kyle Phillips makes up for Ja'Kai Polite, but it helps a little bit to be able to get a guy who is an undrafted free agent, comes in and makes an impact day number one. I think he's going to be a solid contributor again in year two. I wouldn't have ranked him ahead of Foley Fadakasi. I could see the number 17 ranking, but I might not have had him in my top 20. And if I did, it probably would have been right at about 20. I like his versatility. Uh, I I was actually debating when you're looking at these first five guys, debating the order. I I thought about uh, perhaps flipping Phillips and Foley. Uh, I I like what Greg Williams did with with Phillips. I think he's a little bit more versatile and, uh, and he was a great story. I didn't think he was going to make the team. I don't think many people thought he was going to make the team as an undrafted free agent. But he he did so well in the you know in the springtime, in camp, in preseason. It's hard to ignore a guy like that. And you know the proof is in the pudding. When when Greg Williams plays you fifty uh, percent of the time, and that's really what his snap share was was a shade under half of the snaps. That tells you that he believes in you, and and it also tells you that you're doing something right when a guy like Greg Williams, who's been around the block. Uh, has enough faith in, in an undrafted rookie to play him that much. Uh, he's a guy who played at least 25 snaps in in, in, in every game that he was around. Uh, and uh, I think it was, what, 15 games, right? So he was inactive in that season opener. But uh, if you gain Greg Williams' trust as a rookie, as an undrafted guy, that early in your career, you're doing something right. And I think that he's only going to get better. Uh, you know, one of the interesting stats you know he's looking for kind of some some you know numbers that people don't necessarily talk about or jump off the page but uh but michael nanya had a really really good stat that really i was unaware of uh, until he told me about it but phillips was tied for third in the league among edge defenders with 16 tackles for no gain or loss that is astounding you know given where he came from and given what the, the expectations were for him uh, coming into training camp. Uh, you know, to see him to have you know to see him make that kind of impact uh, was eye opening. And I only think he's going to get better. I'm with you there. I think he's going to get better. Uh, again, he's versatile and uh, extremely coachable. Uh, and again, I, you know, I've said this a bunch, but if you're gaining Greg Williams' trust that early in your career as an undrafted guy, uh, I think uh, you know you're in store for a lot of good things because. It, you, you get that trust from Williams. He's going to give you more opportunities. He's going to be more creative with you. And uh, ultimately, you know, you're going to benefit, and the, and the team is going to benefit. I think we can both agree, Manish, that if this was a countdown of best statisticians that cover the New York Jets, Michael Nanny is number one, and there probably isn't a close number two because that is a fantastic stat. Those are the kind of stats that you get on this show every week when he's on for Chronicles of Nanny, and certainly the type of stats that you get every single day if you're a subscriber over at JetsXFactor.com. Continuing with your countdown, though, Manish, at number 16 and the last one that we're going to do for this week, because as we said, this countdown is split up into four parts, five players per part, so next week will be part number two. At number 16, I think you went a little low. I thought Phillips was a little high. Number 16, Steve McClendon. I think McClendon is one of the best players on the team. I think he's probably the most underrated player on the team, always finding ways to make an impact. A lot of times it's not traditionally on the stat sheet, 
but he's somebody that opens up things for other guys, great leader. He's somebody that I would have, if not in the top 10, had somewhere close to the top 10. I certainly would have him well ahead of the guy that's next on your list, but we'll find out about who that is next week. I think McClendon should be several spots higher. Tell me why you had him at 16. Well, look, I'm factoring in that the defensive line is extremely deep. I'm also factoring in that uh, McClendon is going to be 34 or is by the time the season starts, maybe he's already turned 34. My apologies. I don't I don't remember his birthday. Uh, so, again, this is a projection for 2020. Uh, I absolutely agree with you that this guy was, ab- he was absolutely terrific. He frankly surprised me with the pro- level of production last year. Uh, you know, they brought him back. Uh, it was a one-year deal. Then they ended up signing him during the season to an extension, I believe, Uh you know, career high in tackles for loss last year and quarterback hits, sacks. Uh, we already know about his leadership. That's not surprising. We knew about that, frankly, the minute that he, he came over from Pittsburgh. But, but uh, the production was eye-opening. Uh, but he is 34. You've got a lot of depth. We already talked about Foley. I think Foley's going to make a jump. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's realistic to expect that level of production this year from McClendon. Uh, again, because you've got a pretty deep defensive line room and you've got a guy coming off a career year at the age of 33. Uh, do I think he'll be productive this year? I do. I do think he'll be productive as evidenced by the fact that he's in the top 20. But, uh, you know, I just think from a projection standpoint, you know, there's, you know, I, I, I think it's realistic to expect some regression. I don't believe it's the end necessarily, but you know the guy came off a career high 18 pressures. uh, You know, at the age of 33, what can you realistically expect as a 34 year old? uh, You know, he's been in the league now. This is this be his 12th season. Uh, I think he could be an important part of the team. We obviously know about his leadership. Uh, that's not going to change. That's invaluable, frankly. But from a production standpoint, uh, do you, you know, do you anticipate a similar output uh, as last year? Uh, I mean, I, I think you'll see a little bit of regression. I'm, you know, I'm trying to be fair about it because I think that some of the younger guys are going to do some really good things. Uh, I think McClendon can contribute. Uh, but, uh, you know, asking him to duplicate his career year, you know, I, I'm not sure that's uh, – I'm not sure how possible that actually is. I think you got to give him a few extra points for the leadership he brings and for how he's going to help elevate the play of the other players around him, not only by creating opportunities, but even by helping to be an on-field coach. So I think that's got to play into this a little bit, right? Oh, no doubt. Look, I I, I don't think there's anybody in that organization, in the locker room, uh, in the coaching staff, uh, in management, that will tell you anything less than this. Steve McClendon is an incredibly inspirational person. He is the embodiment of the word leader. People follow him because he has a tremendous work ethic. He does things the right way, the proper way. He does not get in trouble off the field. He practices what he preaches. He is an extremely excellent example of what it means to be a professional. He helped out. Quinn and Williams last year, along with a lot of other people, Quinn and Williams obviously got the headline because he was the first-round pick last year. But uh, Steve McClendon's influence touches all corners of the locker room. So I, I, I absolutely respect that. I value that greatly. Uh, 
but I, I'm factoring in his leadership and what I anticipate his on-field production to be. So, uh, look, I mean, I don't think I'm slighting him by making him the 16th best player, uh, who what I think is going to be the 16th, 16th best player on the team. Uh, I know when we talk in subsequent weeks that you disagree, Scott, with some of the guys I have in front of him, but that's what makes this an interesting list. It is subjective, uh, but uh, but I can't say enough good things about Steve McClendon as a as a leader and as a professional. He is top notch, A plus quality, you know, one of the purest athletes, players, uh, people that I've ever inco- uh, encountered in my 20 plus year career covering sports. Certainly in my 15 plus years covering the NFL, uh, he's a he's a, a terrific example of what it means to be a professional. Uh, and that's why I have him 16th. Uh, you know, perhaps I should have put him in the top 15 or maybe top 10, but I think 16 was fair. And thus concludes the first part of Manisha's top 20 countdown. We will get to part two next week. In the meantime, Manish, people are free to wonder about who is going to be on the next installment. Should we give them any spoilers? Should we give them any hints? Well, we gave them a hint that there's one guy that you absolutely disagree with uh, in terms of where he should be ranked uh, in relation to Steve McClendon, uh, that'll be make for an interesting debate. Uh, some of the other guys, you know, there's there's a there's a newcomer that that I think I, I fairly placed in the top twenty. Uh, there's a, a guy who I think I don't know if I, if overachieved is the right word, but a guy who really was gritty last year. Uh, maybe undervalued in some respect. The Jets absolutely got a great deal. Uh, but, uh, you know, and then there's probably the biggest enigma on the team who's going to be in the next installment as well. So, uh, again, it's a, it's subjective. It makes for really good discussion, I think, especially in the middle of the summer. Uh, and, you know, I enjoy doing it because, again, most fans, most teams are really optimistic in this part of the NFL calendar. Uh, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of juice entering training camp. I know it's an unusual training camp, an unusual off season that that we're having. But uh, you know, as I said earlier, there's a you know, a lot of interesting new pieces, young pieces uh, that can potentially improve and make for you know an interesting season for the team. Go ahead and follow along with the countdown in the daily news. Follow Manish on Twitter. If you haven't given us a five star review on iTunes yet, go ahead and do that for us. We'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money. But it does go a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.